0: Welcome to the Beautiful Life Podcast. This message is by Debbie Desmond. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We praise you. You're so good. You're so wonderful. Father, we just ask that you would give us ears to hear what you want to say to us today and eyes to see you. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Bless this time. We welcome you here. Have your way. Fill us, each one of us, with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> so, um, you know, we just felt that since Women's Day is this week and... We're actually looking at um, world views um, as well at the same time at the moment. I just thought it would be good to just have a look at a couple of things that the Bible says about women. Um, It's not a thing of so much about, you know, I I actually basically want to really specifically get to one point. Um, But let's start... In the beginning. Genesis 1. <laughs> okay, in the beginning. Um, you know, it's so important to always see the first mention of something in the Bible. It's called Bible hermeneutics. So you always take your reference point from the first place that you see it mentioned in the Bible because often that first place gives us Um, understanding on all the other times that it's mentioned in the Bible. So, Genesis 1 verse 27, let's read. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And verse 31 says God saw all that he had made and it was very good and there was the evening and there was the morning the sixth day I want you just to point out two um, things in this in these verses I read the first one was that God created man in his own image okay and that he created them male and female okay and so um, you know, Nigel's touched on this a little bit before now, but he created them male and female. Both male and female are created in God's image. And right there, we can see the equality um, that man and woman have. Not, there's not one greater the other. It's not like he God created man in his image and then he created female in the image of man. That, you know, some people have sort of that idea. That is not what the Bible says. Here, right here, it says God created man and female in his image. And so that immediately puts um, value on people and specifically on both a male and a female. The second thing that I want you to notice is the, um, the what we call it in Christian circles the dominion mandate, okay? Basically when God says, rule over the earth, steward the earth under me, okay? And it says there, um, he's, God blessed them, the first thing he said to them, and, and I think this is important for later on, but I just want you to note it for now, he says, be fruitful and increase in number, so, uh, fill the earth and subdue it. And then it says, um, rule over the fish and that, and there, and there goes the dominion mandate. But I want you to see that it says God blessed them and said to them. Yeah. He didn't say to just the man. He said to the female and the male. He said to them. He gave both male and female the dominion mandate to bring his rule and his kingdom into all the earth. Okay? I want us to go on now to Genesis 2, verse um, 18. Here in Genesis 2, verse 18, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him make a helper suitable for him. And then verse 21, it says, So the Lord God caused the man to fall in a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the, the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he... Um, a rib He had taken out of man, and he brought her to the man. Some verses, uh, um, that Hebrew word for rib is actually not the rib, as we know it. It's actually the word in Hebrew, circular. Circular. And so some theologians believe that actually what God did was actually take out the womb of man and made woman. So he took something circular (laughs) out of man and put it and made woman. Um, And the man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. Two things there I also want you to note as we go on. The first one is the Hebrew word for helper. He will make, um, he will make, I will make a helper suitable for him. That word, Hebrew word, um, it's Ezer. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it right. Um, it's used uh, every other time, other than this time, in the Old Testament when it is used. It is actually used in the context of God helping. Okay. And I, you know, because some, over the years, sometimes you think, well, you know, um, people have said, well, you know, um, and, and women have felt, um, I think, um, a little bit like, you know, um, they're the helper. And in societies and cultures we see all over the world, it's like the woman has a sort of, uh, more of a role of helper, servant, slave. If this word in the Old Testament is only used for God, helping man, Israel, etc. It's certainly, if God refers to him as a helper, I don't think we need to make it not valuable. Um, it means that actually that should elevate your understanding of the value of woman. Amen, men? Um, okay, the other thing I want you to note is this word one. They shall become one. flesh. One. They shall become one. And over the years... Um, Oh, I mean, What I want to say about that, sorry, before I go on, is here, right in the beginning, we see that God's plan for man and female is that it would be a competing, not a competing. And I think in our day and age, um, this is one of the main problems in our society, Men and women competing against one another. Women specifically competing against men because of our previous um, culture and our and our history, where um, you know in our culture where women have been greatly oppressed, and so there's this competition to try and find value, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there's nothing wrong with what um, you know the, the liberation of women. I, I believe it's God's purpose and plan, but Inside of that, there needs to be not um, not us against one another, but a completing. Because that's God's plan, to complete. Because, you see, what happened, what, you know, it's like a puzzle piece. One's got one side, one's got the other. And both of, the, both of them are not actually complete without the other one. We just really need to understand that. So that we don't ever feel I'm more important or I'm not more important, that there's this completion because we will be better with the competing and the competing, uh, completing than the competing. Okay? Mm. And this is in every area of a society, absolutely every area, marriages, um, workplaces, etc. Because I don't know if you've noticed, we are different. We both have these unique skills and unique outlooks and unique makeups. Tahita so was talking about how he made us in the womb. We're made differently and we have strengths and we have weaknesses and it's to be able to combine those strengths to cover each other's weaknesses that we become so much stronger together. And that's always been God's plan with man and woman to complete, to be one. Okay? Um, over the years, women have been dominated, oppressed, told to keep quiet, told they are less, uh, been limited, restrained, um, and in the West, it's become a lot better, but there are still nations and cultures where women are really, truly, greatly oppressed still today. But Jesus revealed in, we see in the Gospels, as they, they recount his life, how he esteemed, honored and valued women, even in the culture that he was, which were like he constantly went contrary to his culture and showed his value for women, I mean just, I'm just going to mention too, when he spoke to the woman at the well men were not supposed to address women in the marketplace Um, and there were quite a few things, how he interacted with her that were just not at all um, done in that culture. But he gave, he showed his esteem, value and honor for women in that encounter. And another one I want to just mention, as I said there are many, is we see Mary and a whole lot of other women sitting at the feet of Jesus hearing his teaching. That wasn't done in that age. A a rabbi only taught men. And Jesus valued women that he, he Actually, spoke to them as well because he saw them. He saw them as valuable, as significant. And so, again and again, in many areas in the Bible, we see Jesus um, giving women um, God their God-given value and esteem. Galatians three verse twenty-six: You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ. Having clothed yourself with Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This scripture, this scripture says to us basically that through Jesus the great divides were, moved, were removed. Um, in every area and I want to just come back and reiterate this point about competing and competing it's a, for South Africa similar scenario you know there's this constant competition between um, the races and this um, valuing and devaluing of the races You know, we've got so many we've got 11 different um, uh, national languages We've got an immense diversity. And you know what? That can be our greatest downfall because we start working and competing against each other. Or it can be our greatest strength if we honor and esteem one another and work together and compete. Because can you imagine the diverse, the strength of that diversity? Same thing with male and female. Being one. God Jesus Christ wants to remove those barriers of completing so we can come and complete with um, one another. Um, there may be differences, um, but it's God's heart for us to be one, completing, not competing. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think the, the, the differences is the thing that really is the thing that causes us to trip up. Because if someone is different, we often don't understand them. And when we don't understand them, we, have, we start um, having conflicts with them. Because we think they should be like this and they don't respond like this. What? And then we start judging them. And then we start competing with them, right? Whereas God, you know, God could have just made us all the same. He could have made one white unisex person or one black unisex person, one pink unisex person, you know, whatever it might be. Um, And, you know, they would have all been the same, thought the same, etc. He could have made that. And then just think, you know, most people think in the world that that is what's going to bring peace. At that, you know, they want everyone to think the same. Yeah. They want everyone to to have the same amount of money, the same car, the same. Because then, then we're not going to start, you know. Why have you got a silver Mercedes Benz and I have a black Volkswagen? You know what I'm saying? Why have you got blonde hair and blue eyes and I've got red hair and brown eyes, or? Um, why have you got curly hair and why have I got straighter hair? And, I mean, the list goes on and on. And our, what happens is our differences divide us, but God could have done it differently. Just think how boring the world would be. Just think how, un- you know... There's something so beautiful about all the differences coming together. I mean, it's it's so much. It's easy to have a whole lot of the same coming together. It's more difficult to have a whole lot of different come together. But at the same time, how much more beautiful is that? Yeah. So that's on a whole like cultures, races different people, but also on the, this level of female and male. God made us different so that we could complete one another and be beautiful and amazing and you know, the life flows through relationships. So when you can complete with people it's just so life-giving. And Right in Genesis 1, we see it's life-giving. You connect, you become one flesh, and what happens? Reproduction. Life. Life. Um, so, I think, so I'm getting to one of the things that I really want to speak about, and in this I'm addressing both females and males. Because one of my main five bears, should I say, about the way women have gone about liberating themselves from a very real oppression, um, is that a lot of women have changed who they are as women. And I'll tell you why. Because men have had greater power in our culture and perceived to have greater value. I say perceived to have greater value because they don't actually. But they have been perceived to have greater value in our culture. Women have gone about trying to regain power and value in society, thinking that they need to be like men to attain value and power. And this, for me, is one of the saddest things. Um, I certainly don't want true womanhood and and the essential need for it to disappear in our culture because. We are trying to be like men because we feel that is going to give us power, and I mean, not obviously not completely, but we we are changing ourselves to be um, like them. And what we do is we lose um, our unique contribution as women to society um, because, while being women, we are trying to be men as well. Mm. And I think this is one of the saddest things where you see a woman trying to be a woman, but I'm trying to be a man as well. And listen, that is just so incredibly taxing and hard to try and be both. And we shouldn't be, because God didn't make us that way. He made us to be women. Um, now, I want to continue, but I want to preface, preface what I'm going to be um, saying um, with this. A little, I believe that women can do anything that a man can do, okay? I believe it. Maybe not as good at sometimes, because men are more um, stronger. So, I mean, they can do just as much as men, but maybe not as good at some places. In some places, they're better at men than doing something. But I do believe they can do anything. I believe that women can hold any position in society, including being a president of the country. I mean, we've seen some amazing women presidents of countries. I believe that women can have a career, lead a corporation, whatever it might be. I believe women can do that, okay? I believe women should have just as much of an advantage in our society that a man has. And even in church, unfortunately, sometimes the church is sort of, you know, lagging behind and, and actually not... That biblical, even in church, I believe a woman can hold leadership positions, be apostles, prophetesses, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. In the Bible, Deborah, the prophetess, led the nation of Israel in the time of Judges. Junior was named as an apostle by Paul, Romans 16. Phoebe, um, um, Priscilla, and others were named by Paul as leaders in the church. It's absolutely there in the Bible, so I'm like all four women. Having every advantage doesn't for where we are. I believe Jesus liberated us, and praise the Lord, we have that advantage. Whether you get it in your life or not, you do. You're valuable, and you can do it. Um, but in all of this, let us not forget that we need each other, and we need our uniquenesses. You know this. This sort of idea, I don't need a man, Um, I'm not talking in the context of marriage, I'm just saying like the general, um, you know, I'm not saying I don't need a man in the sense of I don't need a husband, it's just the, the phrase, I don't need a man, that, I don't believe it's biblical, it's actually unbiblical, just as a man can't say I don't need woman, that's unbiblical, from what we've read and the scriptures we've read, right? Um, God said right in the beginning that we need one another. We need each other. And the question is, can we celebrate our differences and let them be the help we need for us to reach the heights that God has designed for us? So although there have been many incredible gains over the years for women, to break out from under the, the limitations and oppressions that they've been under, I believe there's been a loss that I don't believe we were allowed, we, we were um, meant. meant, supposed to allow. And I believe that loss has been in the area of our family and children. Um, you know, I think it came with this whole idea um, that since men value and power in society you know men are valued um, for what they do uh, um, in our society you know then we think if we do that then our value and power will increase um, and I think this is a dire mistake for our society society because I think we've all lost something without even realizing it um, I'm not saying that women shouldn't have been liberated from their limitations, but I do believe the role they already play, were playing in society through the generations, throughout history, should have been elevated, celebrated, honored, and esteemed yes. just as much as men's, even although it was different. Different doesn't mean not valuable and significant. So what happened and like I said, I preface this with women can do anything, okay? You can, if you're called to be the leader of a corporation or the leader of a president uh, um, of a nation, I'm absolutely for you. But at the same time, what's happened, I feel, is what women have been doing over the generations has not been elevated and esteemed and honored. It is. It's like you know. Even and and I want to speak to both women and men because men have said this. No, um, um, you know, I'm not. I I can't be at home just with the kids. You know, um, I don't know. Have you you know ever um heard that? You know, like, no, I that I, I, I'm I'm like too too important or too valuable to just. Just be at home and look after the kids. I remember um, I made um, a decision to stay and homeschool my children. I can remember when the Lord told me, I felt it was my calling. And I'm talking, you can, whatever calling God calls you, you need to obey, right? I looked at my daughter when she was five and I felt like the Lord told me, this is what I want you to do. I want you to disciple your daughter. So, I want to tell you that for a week, I cried on my husband's shoulder. I wanted, there were other things I wanted to do with my time. I was like, I I said to him, I don't want to give up that. I don't want to give up that. I want to do that. And I thought, what do you think I don't want to do? I don't want it. I don't want it. Anyway, you know, as Christians, God is our Lord. And I did it. <laughs> the end of that year, um, we always did this um, this thing at the end of the year of on old year's eve. We'd all say thank you for the things that we were thankful for that year, and say goodbye to the old year. And that year, I the thing that I was most grateful for was that I <laughs> obeyed God. <laughs> And homeschooling work because it was incredibly rewarding. And now, several years later, it's one of the things I'm so thankful for because only now do I see even the greater impact that it's had just on my relationship, various different things. I'm not saying that everyone's called to do that. Please don't get me wrong because otherwise you're going to check out. <laughs> okay. I'm not saying everyone's called to do that. But what I'm saying is... is um, I can remember there was a friend of mine. She was a lawyer. She had a high-powered job. I can remember um, speaking to her on the phone one day, and she said, you know, Debbie, I'm not like you. I can't stay at home with my kids. I would, I, I have to have stimulation. I have to, I have to, and she went on to all the things that she had. So I just thought, well, thanks. I didn't stand there saying, hey, I'm here. This has been a sacrifice for me, but at the same time one in which I'm so grateful I gave because I've read so much. But you see, that's a mindset. That's a mindset that the world has. And because um, men had um, positions in careers, etc, they had from those positions, they had a measure of power. Um, etc. And so, as a result, they seemed more powerful, right? More important, more powerful, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But you see, people don't realize the effect that um, you training up your child in the ways of the Lord has for the next generation. The power of that, and we've lost sight of the power of that. And then what what happens is we get caught up in the worldly system where power, money, possessions, all of those things um, give us value, and so men are caught up in that worldly system, and women are now getting caught up in that. And who suffers? Our children. You see, it's not. I'm not. I'm not blaming women alone for this. I'm. I am. Let me think of the word. I am encouraging men and women because we can't do this alone. We cannot do this alone. It can't be just women recognizing. Men and women need to come back to the value of children and family. Above. You know, as Christians, God is the most valuable. Then the next priority in your life is your spouse, and the next one is your children. That's how it goes. But, you know, it's the, always the test is, which? how do you live your life? I'm not saying that you can't have a job and prioritize your children. But what ha- what's happening is this worldly value, because we get all our value and esteem from our career, our job, our possessions, etc., etc., we spend all our energy... Focusing on this, going for this to get our value and worth for it, while what the world doesn't value, our children, what happens is they get lost. Yeah. And at the moment, our cho- the, the increasingly in society, children are lost. Their parents aren't home. They spend all... It's not, it's not almost even time, that. Their focus. Children have lost value in our world. They are seen as a burden. You can just see that the rate of abortion going up. People have an abortion because they're not ready for children, they don't want children, because they see them as a burden. But like God said, children are a blessing. And, you know, the thing is, it's getting back to these things that God values. Because otherwise we just follow the world blindly, or we don't realize. Like, I remember, and um, maybe some of you like tithing for the first time. Like I, didn't, I didn't understand that, you know, why I needed to, to tithe, you know, because, you know, I just thought, oh, giving ten percent. How am I going to do better like that? You just have to do it for a while and see the impact on your life that you realize, this is a good thing. (laughs) You know, this is a really good thing. But it doesn't come by watching the world, you know. It comes by that first time you haven't seen why. You can't understand why. But you simply step in and you do it and then you see the fruit. And in our world, if you look around the world, they don't value children. They're a burden. They send them off. To to the question, if they when they do when they are home, they're busy on their phones doing other stuff, and their children are on other. They they're not prioritizing their relationship with their children, their family, because I want to tell you that family is the building block of society. Everything starts in that micro. I mean, how how many of you? know that your life has been affected by your childhood. The way you think, that hurtful situation, how your dad spoke to you potentially that one time, you know, um, whatever it might be, you've all been affected by your childhood. How your friends treated you at school, all these various different things. You were affected and the family is supposed to be the safe place where you can find your identity, value, your worldview, etc. Right, and so the, the family is how, in the family, you learn how to fight and resolve it. You learn how to deal with conflict. You know what I'm saying? It's like that's how you are taught. But what if there's no one to teach you? Right? Family is a building. God has. I want to say to you, and I and. and Children and families are the most important aspect of building our society. They're the next generation and what tomorrow looks like depends on them. So, you know, I think what I'm trying to say really is that we need to reclaim the value of children and family. And that looks like both men and women, when you come together, you decide together, our family is the most important thing in our lives after God. There's nothing more important, not my job, nothing is more important than my family. And then, you see, this is how it should work. Then we say, like, okay, how are we going to make them our priority. I have, a, I have friends. Um, she has a, um, a 95 5 um, job, um, um, working 9-5 in a, quite a male-dominated workspace. He was a teacher and he also had a, a, a photographic, his own photographic company. So when they had children, they decided that he was the most the person who could most make the most adjustments in his life to be more present with the kids. So he actually ran his um, photographic business at home with the kids and he was the one who carted the kids because he could make his job flexible. And that's how they worked, making their family a priority. So I'm not talking about stereotypes here, guys. Most often it will be the woman, just because of her natural... Um, tendency to nurture, that natural tendency to mother, etc. Um, and, and I'm not saying that you can't do it as well as working. I, I skills, did ministry, etc. all together. I, I made it work. You can make it work, but the thing is, it's like not how you make it work, it's the value that you place on it. Because if you don't place value on it, you will never, like God, you will never sacrifice for it. You will never pay the price for it. Because, you see, if you place value on your career, the money that it brings you, the status that it gives you, et etc., et cetera, then what's going to You will sacrifice for that. And if it's, if that is more important than your children, you, that's where you will be. That's where your heart will be, right? So you have to decide together. And even as a society, even if you aren't in a marriage, you have to... Um, also know the value of family and society, in society, and say, okay, what are we going to do to make this a priority in our lives, whatever that looks like? So it's actually the person who has made the sacrifice to bring up their children give them the attention and the priority and to sow into this generation for what we're going to see in the next generation, that that is not being valued. But it's not like, oh, well, you know, um, um," no, it's like, wow, you value them so much, you're making whatever it might be, however your family works, amen. And, you know, also, just with regard to whether, you know, I have a friend, I have a friend. She's a single mom and um, because she got divorced from her husband, her husband fell away from the Lord, got into some stuff and she had four children. She has been phenomenal actually. She has had, um, she had to be the main breadwinner. She got no money from her husband. So she had to work full time, four children. Some of them had special needs. And she prioritized them in every way despite that. And then she also realized that they needed male role models because you need to complete, you know, you need that. She didn't have a husband, but she just prayed for each of her children. All four of her children, in the most miraculous ways, got male role models who stepped into their lives to bring that side of things to help her. And she had, there's so much grace in her life that has just come to help her. I mean, the Lord has been amazing, but her priority for her children to actually be a working mother and give all her effort to it has been amazing. And God has been so gracious to add to that. So it does, I'm not, I'm speaking like some people are single mothers and that's, um, that's okay too. I want to end with this. Um, even broader than just prioritizing family and um, children, um, for all the women, just because you can do something, you don't have to do it. If that's not you, okay? I say, uh, you know, I can say to my, I can say to my husband, listen, you know, I, I can open the door for myself. I can take out the rubbish. Um, you know, um I I but you know I have said to my husband, you know what? <laughs> um I said I you know, I want to protect my femininity, <laughs> And so do you <laughs> So you can hug me up, (laughs) you can open my door, you can take out the rubbish, you can go to war and protect me, (laughs) do all those masculine things that you're very capable of, Um, and in that way, I retain my femininity and you retain your masculinity. I think it works well. Compliment, help, help, you know, help, 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 help. Um, They're both beautiful and powerful. You know, I can defend my children with a gun if I need to. Believe me, I would do it, okay? that I don't need to prove my worth, okay, by doing it, especially if there's someone already doing it, you know? So so I want to say, um, yes, my husband will be getting out of bed if there's a noise. (laughs) Um, So what I'm saying is, women, you know, don't lose your femininity because you see that men these things are valued in a culture that where men dominated previously. The thing is to actually value not what men do but value who you are as a woman and what you're beautiful at, what you're good at. That is the important thing, to value a woman and what they bring, not just men, so that we all end up being like men. And then we're trying to be both men and women. It just There's too much. (laughs) Um, um, I also want to say, um, you know, Deborah in the Bible led a whole nation. But she was called a mother in Israel. You know, she wasn't called a father in Israel. You know, she didn't fulfill the role of a father in Israel. So, you know, sometimes, you know, women take, you know, get into a leadership role and then they want to fulfill that role as a man or as a father. No, God's not asking you to be a father. He's asking you to rise up as a female, as a mother, and lead as a mother, as a female. What does that look like? I think we've got our, our minds so squished about you know, it looks like that in the past. No, what does it look like to you, being a mother? Um, but, you know, in that nation, Deborah wasn't the biological mother of, of Israel, but she mothered them. And so I want to speak to even single women here. If you haven't got a family or children right now. One of your main tasks as a single woman is, that you have a nurturing part of you that you need to serve and express in and around you in our society, otherwise, we lose. Because remember, you know, in the past, and, and, and again, it's like valuing what women have done in the past. Often in the past, in, a woman often used to be the ones who nurtured their children um, in the home and were very active in their communities and in society, um, and that, because they've been pulled out and going, you know, in in, in every respect, that just that worldly, um, both men and women, let me just put it that way, focusing on their careers, that given. What happens is our communities have lost what women nurtured, that connectedness, that knowing people around us, Uh, you know, uplifting the society etc, that you know, it's almost like, you know, sometimes you take things for granted it's like a lot of the stuff that women did was taken for granted and devalued we need to make sure that we uplift that it's valuable so whether you're married or not you have that mother inside of you, whether you have children or not, and you have you have unique aspects that our society needs you as a woman. And you need to bring that to the table. And men, you need to value it. And you need to esteem, esteem women, honor women when you see them doing that. Because if they're only esteemed when they're doing things that men does, then we're going to lose that. Slowly it's going to erode from our society. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you, we're just so thankful for the diversity that you've made, the beauty that you've made. And Father God, we we ask that we as um, Christians, we'd live out that, yeah, Lord, we would see what you value and we would value it and reap the blessings as we do so, Lord. That we wouldn't follow the pattern of the world that we would follow your pattern. What, what you say is value, valuable is eternal and has eternal value. And so, Father, we want to live from that perspective of eternal value, what is really important. And, Father, we want to, to bring your kingdom. Your word says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and bringing your kingdom through generation after generation is to put value where you put value so that um we can sow into the next generation so father enable all of us father to see the value of women and their role that they play in society to esteem it and honor it in jesus name amen we hope you have enjoyed this message from debbie desmond for more information please visit Natural